God, the priest of the Israelites. You know, I, I guess I should thank you both. I should thank you both for... for you should. For, uh... All the time. You're, you're in the academy. Yeah, in the academy. But for your consistent uh, sort of uh, expansion of my horizons and what media I consume. Um, mm. Lately, you've been expanding mostly to me to, to bad media. Stupid media. <laughs> shitty media. Um, yeah, you gotta watch more stupid, <laughs> shitty movies. You know, uh, and, and, as, uh, as, and as at this point, a lifelong bordering on movie hater, uh, it's just been great to sort of experience that all movie like just as a genre of of media i i enjoy primarily there's like a reverse bell curve of what i enjoy okay which is there's sort of like the absolute garbage on one end Mm -hmm. and then there's some pretty amazing shit that i absolutely love on the Uh other end and everything in the middle there is kind of just bullshit you don't suffer the middle brow um you know i i know people love titanic i think titanic is fucking boring uh, oh, I have not. I have not watched that film. Uh, you know. So I, you have an interesting spin on the classic or trash binary, and that you like both classic and trash, but just nothing, nothing outside of that. I don't think Ayani likes classics. I think he likes what he likes, but I, don't I think he likes what what deserves to be classic. Maybe there we go. Not what is <laughs> what what deserves to be classic in my eyes. Classic Ayani's classics. My um my real dill pickle jar of of movies. Um. <laughs> What? Yeah, no. <laughs> My real dill pickle. There's a play on Vlasics, which I don't believe has anything oh, to do with the word classic. Oh my god. There look we go. At this. Look well, at I've Mr. explained the joke now, so. Look at Mr. Wordplay. Alright, well, we're on the subject. Bread and butter pickles is like, okay, is it bread and butter or is it pickles? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna talk Hello. shit, but uh, Aki and I just discovered that if you get a piece of toast and toast it and put kimchi with corn and just a bunch of cheese on top of it, that it's like oh that sounds good yeah i would eat kimchi on pretty much anything yeah and i mean i've been eating it so much recently that i'm like is this like wearing down my enamel because like i had a big bite of it and then my teeth felt a little spicy and i was like hmm nah, it's not that acidic this no, is also I know. not it's probably the more first like, time you've worried are you worried about your enamel on a regular i'm definitely afraid of what's gonna happen to my enamel it's not that acidic but the characters in this movie <laughs> <laughs> Oh, finish it off wow. for us, folks. Oh are, are that Hasidic. What's up, folks? Welcome Ooh. to Smite Me. This is a podcast about the Torah, usually, and today it's about a movie that's about the Torah. Um, my name is John Alkabes, and I just went right from my dumb, dumb joke into the intro so that you have to hear the joke. Um, I am here with my co-hosts, Josh Marcus. What is up, everybody? And Ayane Hayashi. Hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> there was a kid at my high school. I Maybe I've already told this story on the pod, but he one time, he was kind of like a kid who was both popular, but everybody ragged on him, and he opened a presentation in class by saying, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> was it? We don't have to keep it. Well, no. I'll just ask you later. No, no. no ask me right now. <laughs> is it the kid with his name is two letters? <laughs> two letters? Is it? What? Is that kid J.D.? Maybe I'm maybe I'm tripping. There is a kid. There was a kid named JD, but it wasn't like kid. It was this kid. Well, I won't say his name, but another funny thing about him is one time his dad caught him drinking, and famously we all knew his reaction was sometimes you just need some of those nights. Wait, his dad said that. <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then like when when this kid would do something like kind of embarrassing, people would just go. Sometimes you just need some of those nights. I just feel like what a legendary we father. Yeah. When we were kids, you would have a lot of stories for me, Josh, where you'd be explaining someone at your school and that you'd be like, yeah, they're kind of like a huge nerd and like, but also they're really popular. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like we didn't. Well, we didn't. Yeah. There wasn't like the classic, like there wasn't, I feel like the, the clicks were slightly scrambled. There were like both like the classic populars and then there were like the smart popular kids. doesn't even matter. Though. Um. Anyway. Well, let's see. We it's a movie episode. Yes, yeah, it's, it's another smite me at the movies. Um, though at this point we're at the movies so much we don't even you know tell you as such in the episode title. We got one foot in the theater. This is Hollywood. <laughs> I remember we chose a movie, but I don't remember which movie. Was yeah, chosen. I was having. The, we remember uh, we were having difficult choosing the movie. Um, and eventually. We figured figured it out, and we were like, "This is we. This is chosen. This is what we have chosen." Do you guys want to keep doing this bit? Um, the or... movie is Disney Pixar's Frozen, yeah. um, with with Olaf and Elsa. The whole gang was there. Just kidding. It mm-hmm. was um, chosen. The based on Chaim Potok's book, Chosen. Do we have any any uh, any Jews in the news or Smiteables we want to knock I, out? Or I, we... have, I have I have a minor Smiteable too. Oh, okay. God, can you start with a Smiteable and I'll do some Jews in the news? Yeah, yeah. This, this one, one is more. This one is like less of a cosmic error that I made and more of just uh, a life skills one. But um, I was in the city today getting my hair cut, and I found through many haircuts of varying quality that you really got to be specific in your hair instructions i often will just bring a picture because i feel like my hair vocabulary only goes so far um and i realized i kind of accidentally asked my man to give me a mullet and he obliged (laughs) um so i'll just i'll just show it to you (laughs) oh shit okay it's not that much of a mullet but also i like mullet josh I, i will say thank you um it's like i would say it's like more dramatic in person i think there's something about something's getting lost on the zoom um <laughs> i think it's also it all, yeah. it's a perfectly disguised mullet like you That's could true. walk really around behind yeah you can walk around in respectable society and if someone says a mullet mm-hmm. you can look them dead in the eyes and go no it's not it's not it, the like i work at an art gallery mullet it's just more like oh he's got a haircut with like a little extra baggage in the back Baggage um, is the perfect word for it because uh-huh. there's so much bag. Like that's what I was just thinking is that it's so funny for you to like like there, there's so much weight carried with the concept of a mullet. It's so funny for you to describe a haircut, like uh-huh. wanting to do your own thing and like accidentally inventing the mullet. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I think um like a mullet is like a classic um uh, like an overdetermined uh, Freudian object. It has so many different meetings. It's like not just about the hair anymore. It's like about the meaning of America or something. Sometimes a mullet is just a mullet. That's true. And I think in my case, it's really like I'm not trying to subvert anything. I just accidentally got a little longer in the back. So anyway, be clear with your hair, hair professionals because whatever happens is really only for you to blame. Give me a damn mullet. When and then sometimes, sometimes you'll accidentally... accidentally Recreate one of the great American inventions. So, America's pastime. One of our proudest contributions. Do we have a lot of mullet baseball players? I shouldn't bring it back to that. Um, There's probably. I mean, I'm sure there was a time. There's got to be some great mullet 
But now there's like, I feel like the mullet's like back, but to like cool, it's like a cool queer thing now. I know, uh, I don't know if it's still a thing. I knew for a little bit some of the people, uh, some of the Basque people in Pamplona where my brother was living would kind of wear their the back of their hair in like two or three dreads and kind of like a very, like a, a mullet and that kind of signified uh, sort of like allegiance to the idea of independent Basque country. Um, wow. I don't know if that's 100% true or still true or, you know, how how mm-hmm. that movement has evolved over time. Um I hope it hasn't, at least hair-wise. I mean, it was it was it was, it was a look. Um, speaking of which, there was a, a a Sikh cultural festival in the in the plaza in San Francisco, or maybe it was a rally for like a, a free Khalistan, I believe what they're advocating for. But uh, I don't know if you've ever had like a lot of um, interaction with Sikh people, but feeding strangers is a big part of their faith. And uh, man, I ate pretty good, and I was just walking by. Shit was delicious. That's like one of the few things I know about the Sikhs is that when you're rolling with them, you are you're eating. Yeah, it was delicious vegetarian food. A lot of cardamom and a lot of turmeric. Um, I've got some Jews in the news. If anyone wants to get all Jewy in the newy, you have to break the news. What Jews? It's news, including Jews. Jews in the news. Jews in the news. It's the news with Jews. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to put it in. I don't need to do that. No, no, John yours is better. Me. Yours is much better. No, you please, please. <laughs> I do even do that drop even when we're not doing Jews in the news sometimes. I'll I just, just like start it off it. sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, maybe, you know, uh, this is kind of a, a discussion we've had before, but Jew face is a little bit back in the news. Um, <laughs> no. I just figured it's relevant because we're talking about movies. Um, d- some white guy is 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 in a movie and he's going to play a Jew, and that Jew is Leonard Bernstein, the oh Bradley Cooper, that one, the, the Coop. He's a Leonard Bernstein is a what apologist? A uh, musicologist. He's a, <laughs> a musicologist. Wow. He apologized for the concept of music. He's a collaborator <laughs> with the concept of music, yeah. It's pretty fucked. Right, but in prosthesis. Yeah, they gave him with a his proboscis. <laughs> you know what I'm talking well, about. We know who the who's the writer here. Doesn't yeah. Cooper already have kind of a schnoz situation? He does. Let's take a look. I think he kind of does already, but like he really looks pretty pretty Jewish in the in the makeup. In Wet Hot American Summer, he plays Michael Ian Black's lover. So not only is he basically doing Jew, ca- Jew face because it's supposed to be a Jewish camp, but also he's doing gay face. So <laughs> I think that can be expected from him. I think he's one of the great chameleons because he also played a country boy in uh, A Star is Born. Well, yeah. What's the A Star is Born meme where it's like. Just wanted to take another. It's look like it's you. Lady Gaga. She's <laughs> yeah. like, hey. And then he's like, what? And she's like. You're Jewish. Okay. That what? one didn't... What? One didn't come, <laughs> I just wanted... Or no, she's like, okay, okay, okay. She's like, I just wanted to get another look at you because you just look like such a Jew. <laughs> Moving on. No, Wh- swish. Uh, Bullseye. Uh, <laughs> you really Robin Hood um, that one. The joke it twice. I'm just like... I don't know. I I will borrow my opinion on this from from Lana uh, as a thinker of 
you know, as a director, she thinks about actors a lot. And she's just sort of like, they're old actors. Like, nobody really needs to be doing prosthesis almost ever. Whatever kind of person you're looking for probably exists. And it's a weird Hollywood trend that, like, they just are always putting people in ever more elaborate actors. Though I feel like it's especially glaring, not quite in this situation, but, like, when it's, like, for someone who needs to be heavy, like, uh, like intense fat suit prosthesis seems like very strange to me fat suits are like inexcusable in 2022 that shit's insane i mean unless you're doing it unless like i think unless unless it's eddie murphy because he's hilarious (laughs) yes but also i i would excuse i mean whatever it's art like make art even if it fucking sucks shit like i'm not gonna censor you but i don't know like if if maybe if in the context of like someone is play is it's like a meta thing where someone is playing someone in a fa- actually no I'm talking myself into too deep of a hole here. I don't, oh wait, are you talking about doing something shitty on purpose to illustrate the point? I'm of talking about being yeah, shitty. like how Robert Downey Jr. is in blackface in Tropic, Th- in Tropic Thunder, like somebody mm-hmm. being in 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 fat in a fat suit in a movie, but being like. Uh, like i don't know no it's dumb fat yeah. suits are dumb. Well, i, I feel, feel like, like most people aren't using it like that and they're just using it to get like the one headline that says you won't believe how bradley cooper looks in this new movie like almost unrecognizable in his prosthesis it's like a stunt well sometimes people will like gain weight for a role which is different than prosthesis so it's like fucking convert to judaism and have them do the macklemore thing to your face <laughs> 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 Like a professional plastic surgeon, have uh-huh. them. <laughs> Bradley Cooper, you have 24 hours to convert to Judaism and get plastic surgery. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really have too many thoughts other than like, yeah, maybe don't do some shit like that. That That's a good point about there being um, – there's like if you're looking for a very specific thing, that person exists and probably wants to be an actor. Yeah. For sure. And then there's the other end that I come up with it, which is probably because I'm not super involved in films and don't direct anything, which is like, it's not real anyways. Who gives a shit? He's playing Leonard yeah. Bernstein and his name's Bradley Cooper. That's because he's not Leonard Bernstein and movies aren't real. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, absolutely yeah. not. No, I, 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 I agree. To me, the only one where I actually really care that much, like I don't care if you give Bradley Cooper like a, like a goofy nose or whatever. To me, the, the fat suit thing more only matters to me because it is a bit like telling someone whose body actually looks like that, that like they look like they're in costume, which is kind of strange. Like, you know, it's like that's just how people look. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's very, very mean and just unnecessary. All I was going to say was about Bradley Cooper is that I feel like the statute of limitations is passed on this. One time I did a task rabbit job for this very wealthy family and this woman was like on some zoom call about some like charity board she was sitting on and she just kept saying well bradley cooper is giving 10 million dollars so bradley <laughs> cooper is giving 10 million dollars <laughs> i was like oh wow i wonder what the charity was i was part of me was like probably the bradley, nra is bradley cooper giving me 10 million dollars no yeah it was definitely the nra uh-huh <laughs> it's like it's probably americans for prosperity well, Ooh. anyway, there we go. Whoever whoever you are that's out there sitting on Bradley Cooper's ten million dollars, good on you. And you know that's what they're doing is they are sitting on it for tax reasons. Yeah, they just kind of got to hold on to that until nobody cares anymore, and then that's a free mm-hmm. ten million dollars. The donor advised fund now. I know how nonprofits work. They're always talking about their their donations and their in kinds. 
They're Bradley Coopers, you know. <laughs> they're boss. They're. Bars, I guess this thought is kind of a segue into our movie. But were all those characters? Were all those actors Jewish? Do we think a lot were? The two main boys were. A lot of the extras were. Well, yeah. I mean, because what are they going to find? Buy all those outfits? No, they're going to find people who already wear that. No, they probably bought them. Yeah, there's, a, there's a look. Maybe. Well, also, like, you got to get prob- – there's probably a lot of people who they had to hire who are, like, somewhere on the spectrum of, like, almost Hasid but, like, mostly just Orthodox who mm-hmm. are, like, maybe they have the payas but, like, don't necessarily wear the whole yeah. uniform. Plus, for costume reasons, the only thing you really need to get are, like, the hat and the um the seat seat shirt because otherwise – Those yeah. hats are money, though. Yeah, they're like four thousand dollars. <laughs> Big furry ones, yeah, yeah, dude. I got. I'm in the. I'm in the wrong damn business. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. We let's get into this. Okay. Should all we right. explain this film to the listeners? Yeah. Um. Have either of you had either of you guys read the book? No. No. This is the kind of- I knew about this film because it's mentioned in the Hebrew Hammer as like they need Jewish propaganda to save Hanukkah. So he's like, should we just print up a bunch of copies of Haim Potok to the Chosen? I don't know if that, like, is it that inspiring? I mean, maybe it's kind of, there's parts of it that are moving, but I don't know if it, like, inspires me to, like, go be a Hebrew hammer and, like... (laughs) You know what? I think, in a way, a theme that will be, um, that will come up probably again is that this feels like a movie that is not for someone like me. But are you sneezing into a mask? Damn, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not putting it back on. (laughs) Ah! Wow. Wow. I thought <laughs> this is an audio medium. I thought I could. Wow. Blooper reel. So good. Uh, I don't know, man. Wow. You can't just kind of like do that shit on camera. I don't, no one is going to say anything. And you kind of tried to do it to the side a little bit. You were still on camera, though. You are just, just a little sure to, to the left. left. I wasn't, it wasn't going to get caught on the microphone, seeing you as how this is more than just the audio medium. <laughs> Uh, I hope boy. someone who's listening to this, for the, they're listening to our podcast for the first time because they love this movie and want to hear a review. And they're just sitting there like, are you fucking listening? Like, are you fucking sneezing into a mask right now? <laughs> okay, okay. So The Chosen, 1981. It's set in what? 1940-something? Yeah. During World, World War II. It's set during World War II. During World War II and ends after – the establishment of the state of Israel. Before the establishment of the state of Israel, right? Because uh, that's like after. one of the right. Because that's one of the things where he says, like, "Hey, I don't have to worry about this whole is there going to be a Jewish state anymore?" Because there is one now. Um, which is an interesting okay. take. What are the characters' names again? I know that there's the the Jewy one, and then like the less Jewy <laughs> one. Uh, we got Reuben. He's a conservative Jew. So he's like still studies the Torah. His parents are immigrants, but he is like not super orthodox. His dad's the professor, right? His dad's a professor, but he like plays baseball, goes to the movies, kisses girls. And then we have Danny. Mm-hmm. Danny's the very, very religious one. Yes. With the very, very religious withholding abusive father. Yes. Son of a son of an important rabbi. Uh, it's taking place in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. 
um, where there are still lots of Hasidic people now, but it's also, you know, a little hipster. You would, I would even call it a post hipster, just normal gentrified neighborhood, but there's like still a Hasidic part of it. You'll see tzitzit, but you'll also see like cool queer mullets. That's right. Coexisting. <laughs> Sometimes on the same freaking person. So <laughs> yeah, you're seeing New people. New York. In... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. So we open. Should we just start from the beginning? Or sh- I mean, I mean, I didn't write a summary, but we could just we could give a rough talk about the plot. And, and I have a tiny bit of info about our boy Haim Potok, the author novelist. The crux of the movie is it's like emotional moments and it's dialogue more so than it is like the actual things that happen over the course yeah, of but- the narrative. I guess the the beginning is important just because it's kind of an inciting event that like starts. The movie is about this friendship, but it, the inciting event of this friendship is um, Ruben is on a baseball field and then he's like doing a monologue about how Jews aren't good at sports or something. Um, or he's just kind of saying that like, I forget, it doesn't matter. Anyway, he's playing baseball. It's his team against a bunch of... It's the kids versus the yids. Kids versus Yids. Except for they're both Yids. It's like just more Yids. It's like the Jews versus the super Jews. <laughs> so Ruben's team, the the conservative one, the less religious one, um, they're like kind of running circles around the the Hasidic team. And then our boy Danny um is pitching and he throws a pitch and hits our boy Ruben right in the eye. Okay. Well, no, it's the other way around. Yeah, Ruben's I, pitching, and Danny hits the ball into his eye. Danny's like a big slugger, and they're like, "What? I thought you were like this like weird Hasid. Like, why can you?" And anyway, yeah. So they kind of slowly they start off kind of hating each other because he thinks he sort of like almost blinded him intentionally with this ball. But they, the Hasidic boy like visits him in the hospital and like is the one kind of pushing the friendship. He's the one trying to be like, "Let's make this right. I'll help you with your schoolwork." Yeah, and then they their families get to know each other a little bit more. He learns that the rabbi's son, like, you know, is secretly reading non-Jewish books in the library. He's, like, reading Freud. He, like, wants to learn about psychology. And then Ruben is, like, learning more about what, you know, Hasidic Jews are all about. And it's just kind of, like, they both learn things from each other. And kind of the big conflict that arises between them is in this post-World War II moment, like right to immediately after the foundations of the modern state of Israel are being set, like at the UN and in other places. And the rabbi family, they're really against it because it's not, you know, they're sort of like, if you set up a state of Israel, but the Messiah hasn't come, you're like going against Jewish, you know, the rules, like you have to wait for the Messiah to come. You can't be in like a, a Jewish state that's disavowed that. And then the more secular but still Jewish family is sort of like we just the Holocaust just happened. We want a state of Israel, you know, doesn't the Messiah doesn't have to come. We're just going to do this thing. They have a big rift. They kind of figure it out. Yeah, I guess it is hard to summarize this movie because it's so much just about the characters. Like I'd say a central thing in this movie is the fact that like Danny's dad just doesn't talk to him like the silence like he just mm-hmm. he talks to him like once a week when he's like interrogating him about like the talmud or whatever and like is like doing scholarly shit with him but he just like is completely silent and ruben is shocked by that and it's like whoa like i talk to my dad all the time like that's super fucked up mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and there's this big scene at the end where the rabbi sort of like, I was doing that intentionally because Danny, the the rabbi's son, is like a big genius. He's like a photographic memory, super voracious reader. And he's sort of like, you know, my son thought he was this big hotshot and he's like so smart, but I had to like teach him to feel pain basically. And so he just basically neglects him for his whole childhood. To show him then that. he gives a nice speech about it. Yeah, then he does. And I say... Yeah, the only other thing, I just feel like a lot of it's about, like, assimilation and what's the right kind. Like, you know, should American Jews strive to be more Jewish? Should they strive to be more American? You um, know. And then also I think with within that, too, there's the sort of the struggle of, like, how much do we let the world sort of change what our traditional values are? Um, yeah. yeah. Since, you know, the Danny's father, the rabbi, is one of his main criticisms of the state of Israel is that it's sort of like a secular idea and that that's like the only thing worse than like going against the will of God would be like going against the will of God to do the God thingy, but also non-religiously. In the name of, yeah, yeah. in the name of the religion. Yeah. Um, so I don't Which, know. hey, you know, not a terrible argument. Um, but <laughs> It's also just interesting because... I mean, there's there's more to this movie than the Israel stuff, but the Israel stuff is definitely worth convert. Like, it's just funny that like the two sides are like, we should start a state of Israel because the Jews need a homeland, or and like we shouldn't because the Messiah hasn't come yet. And like, no one is obviously no one is making the point of like maybe we shouldn't because like there's already people there, like barely brought up. There's one point where during like a monologue, Ruben is like talking about. Israel and it's like yeah like apparently one of the settlements got attacked by a bunch of Arabs and it's like yeah. oh weird I wonder I wonder what the story is there I wonder how that happened <laughs> yeah yeah it's like not if there is a redeemable you know the redeemable aspects of the movie are not like what they teach you about the history of Israel and, and Palestine it's like more just like a relationship between two friends I would say is like the parts that work and like relationships between a father and a son and a different father and a son. It's like a lot yeah. about that type of thing. There's also is that insane scene where he like sneaks out in the middle of the night to go like ship arms to fucking like militias and Palestine. Jewish paramilitaries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, it's, well, yeah. While in college. It's very interesting. Cause it's like, it starts to, it, it starts another very interesting conversation, but that goes zero directions it's just more like oh that's a thing that happened um yeah he's uh, like a, a kid's gotta do what a kid's gotta do what did you what did they say to your friends that sometimes you need those oh, nights? sometimes you just need some of those nights <laughs> sometimes you just need one of those nights where you go ship a bunch of arms to yeah zionist paramilitary groups mm-hmm. um so so how should we talk about this i don't know because i feel like as you guys said like the the moment by moment, like scenes are not necessarily like like it's just essentially them going back and forth to each other's houses for a great deal of it. Well, yeah, we could talk about sort of I think the the primary like relationships and what themes they kind of center around. Yeah, yeah. I will say this just off the top while we're talking about the movie. Very generally, the uh, sound mixing of this movie is fucking awful. Really. <laughs> I don't know, just maybe it was just our things. YouTube version, but there were times where I could not hear what they were saying against the mm. fucking super fucking Eastern European soundtrack of just kind of like, <laughs> we're the Jews in Brooklyn. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
<laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, of like yoidal doidal clarinet going on. Oh my god, yeah. And I thought it was hilarious because there's a scene where there's a character who's trying to talk over the vacuum, and I was like, it was kind of hilarious to me because I was like, I can't understand. It's like you can't hear the character, obviously, but it's like also you can't hear the characters when they're talking during the fucking giant soundtrack numbers. Why are they having? Why are they talking during the giant soundtrack? I have to get that one out of the way because there were times where I literally watched a couple scenes three times because I was just like, what the fuck are they saying? Because in the middle of they're like, here's the thing. When you talk about the state of... Yeah, and I think that that and I think where this movie has and where the story overall has blind spots, they're like massive. Um, I think it's like worth said. noting that, like the fact that there are zero women in this story. Um, no, that's not – I mean it It certainly does not pass the Bechdel test, but there's – I mean yeah, no, women are like – the way women are represented is not good. But there, there is – I was about to mention that storyline where uh, Ruben is like into – Shandle? Into Shandle and like makes a gross pass at her. And yep. then Dan, Danny just kind of has a conversation with him where he's like, look, like – we do arranged marriages. We married her. Like her, she's already spoken for. Right, and then Since she was a kid. Yeah, but it's also like the the movie doesn't even have anything to say about that, though. Like, well, well, the movie. I guess the movie doesn't. Ruben does. Ruben goes back to his dad and is like, "These people are." I forget what he says. Uh, he calls them fanatics, and he's like. We need more fanatics. You know, if we had more fanatics among those basically like Jewish cowards still living in Israel, then like maybe we'd have a state of Israel. <laughs> yep. That's that's at least like a, a strong, interesting point of view. Yeah. That's a take. I think it that's furthers my, my point overall about how this movie doesn't really think about women at all. They like turn that whole scene into just be about like, well, you know, here's an interesting question about ideology and purity vis-a-vis israel being a state yeah he's yeah. like they marry their children off when they're 12 and his dad's like yeah those motherfuckers are crazy maybe we should be crazy yeah <laughs> yeah it's so crazy it just might work yeah i feel like the like a lot of the big conflicts are just like tensions or it's like the movie is like as much as it is this kind of domestic story about like friends fathers sons etc a lot of it is just kind of like there's some kind of more existential questions there. There's like, how should Jews represent themselves to the world? Like the first question we get is like, you know, Jews have been kicked around. Like maybe they should be tougher. Maybe they should play baseball. Maybe they should like be more American. That's like one way to be Jewish. It outlines there's like the Billy Crystal way you could say, dude, I was just, I mean, I got to say the coolest the kid looked is when he's in his little baseball clothes. I think maybe I just think baseball, like playing baseball seems cool, even though I never really played. Like playing it, it like street baseball in New York, only acceptable kind. Funny though, like of all sports, that for Jews the height of like strength <laughs> and masculinity is baseball. Especially like mid nineteen hundreds baseball, not like now, and I feel like they're like pretty beefy. But I feel like back in the day, like you could just be like a normal guy. You could just be an alcoholic and be a baseball player. <laughs> yeah, you could be one of the best <laughs> baseball players. I mean, like blasting cigs in the clubhouse yeah just throwing no hitters blackout drunk yeah <laughs> those were the days yeah wow um, when your team's hitting you just like full eat like a full steak and then you go, yeah, then you go back like, to pitching yeah. <laughs> yes i guess the scene that stuck with me the most is when they're it's all of like Dan, or ruben goes to shabbat at danny's house for the first time and it's like 
all of those Orthodox Jews in a basement, just like banging on a table doing the like, <sighs> and honestly, in that moment, I, I wanted to be there so bad. Mm-hmm. It like, and it felt, it, what's more is it felt like a true dude's rock moment. it was just some like not that there's not plenty of of grossness and toxicity among orthodox men not like all men obviously but in that moment when they're just banging on a table singing like yeah little die little die like that feels like the paragon of non-toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. Of just a bunch of dudes like getting all their energy out. I don't know. It reminded yeah. me of camp and like the good parts of camp. Sure. Well, I mean, I think the movie wants you to think that. Like it's it's making the point that there's like a joyful, like in addition to all this like intellectual stuff in religion and like spiritual, there's also just like fun. Like you just get to dance, you get to sing. Like they talk about the one of the founders of the um are they they're are they Lubavitch or Hasidic? I can't remember. They're they're Hasidic. Yeah. Okay. So they talk about one of the founders of the Hasidic movement was like into some of the more charismatic, like mystical Jewish traditions at the time in like the 1700s or whatever. And like, then they kind of, I think, are making the point like, look, like it still lives on. Like you can, like a lot of this movie is just about like different ways you could consider yourself Jewish. And one of them is like, you could be really this hardcore Orthodox person, but then you like, you do also still get to party, but just like in your own special Orthodox way. Because also the wedding sequence is pretty extended. Like they're like really dancing for a long time. Oh yeah, that was that. I I kind of lump those together where I'm like, that looks fun. Yeah, it does look fun. It's it. it I've been to I've been to weddings with machitzas, which is the divider, which kind of mm. makes it. I mean, yeah, but it kind of makes it weird, and it also is just like. I want to, I want to go hang out with like my sister and shit. I want to hang out with the girls. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess just back to that, that scene where they're in the basement doing the yeah, did he die? And then, um, his dad or what's the rabbi's name? Or do we not know? Is it just Saunders? Sanders? Sanders? Rabbi Danny's Saunders. Rebbe Saunders. Rebbe Saunders. Rebbe Saunders. <laughs> but when his dad is just like, talking to him for the one time a week he talks to him and is like says some like shit about like this rabbi said the blah 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 and then the son corrects him and it was like actually it was this different rabbi and it was all a setup i was like god like just that's just like dudes like like it just reminded me of just dudes find a million different ways to do that shit whether it's like reading the Talmud and being like, actually it was this rabbi, like this rabbi said this, this rabbi said this, or whether it's people talking about sports and being like, uh-huh. that guy had the best fucking season, 1991, like he was putting up <laughs> points. Or yeah. if it's fucking comics talking about fucking talking about comedians being like, I don't know. I just feel like yeah. whatever the subculture is, dudes will find a way to do that shit. That's just, it's just like hyper confrontational, but like, it's hyper confrontational gatekeeping disguised as like education, but really what it is is just like I'm cooler than you, bro. Well, yeah, and it's also like dudes who are just like emotionally stunted, and the only way they can relate to people is by like listing fullbacks or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a non non emotionally charged way to uh, engage with one another. Um, I don't know. What about you, Annie? What were some of the scenes you really 
that really um, either you know that really registered with you even if it wasn't a positive experience uh, okay well i got some notes okay. here um <laughs> i'll just read you a couple of the things i felt like were necessary to write down note number one is religious sage boy gives secular boy advice is a kind of boring and lame trope i later learned that that's not exactly what the movie was trying to do um this movie is incredibly weak i think in the first 20 minutes and then kind of starts to get better another note i i have is of course his mom is dead and taught him about benny goodman that's just that's just making moms movies. do be dead on film <laughs> wait you know? what do you mean she's dead and talking about benny goodman and taught him about benny goodman <laughs> oh <laughs> she rose from the grave that's a different Don't movie <laughs> yeah um Definitely thought it was doing better once it became a little bit more of a, like, coming-of-age story and, like, how do two different people sort of come of age in their various traditions. I wrote down that I am 20 minutes into this movie and I want to die in an entirely different way than the other movies we watched. (laughs) I was also, like, curious. I think one of the things that I just don't know about that I wanted to kind of see if you guys knew anything about was that I wasn't – I'm not aware – that if there was like a super big divide between like the Hasidic community and the kind of just like orthodox but not quite as like forward presenting Jews, I think there's the somewhat of a divide. No, I know there's a divide, but like in the very beginning of the movie, they're like the only thing stopping us from like ripping each other's throats out is the fact that we're all Jewish and that there's baseball and maybe baseball's not even enough. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was just kind of like I didn't know that that was so much of a uh, a a thing, but it did make me think too that we also come from pretty secular traditions, the three of us, and like I feel like it's easier for us to sort of lump Hasidic people into sort of just like the hyper religious category in a way that like if you're a lot more religious than maybe the three of us are, it can be frustrating to like interact with them. Interesting. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, because you're more invested and then they still are like, you think you're not Jewish. I can yeah. see how that would be. I think they kind of think like everyone except for them is not a real Jew. Right. No, yeah, that makes sense. Because when someone says I'm not a real Jew, I'm like, true, kind of. I mean, not. But like, it would bother me more if I was like actively going to synagogue. Yeah. Like, well, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Like, right. Where it's right. like, oh, I mean, it's cool that you guys study Torah, but you like study it all wrong. So it's kind of not worth anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, but, oh, cool. Then I guess I'm just one of those non-Jews who reads the Torah every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that being said, particular scenes. I don't know. It was very interesting. The like the the gun running scene. I thought that was interesting. I thought also just overall the like reaction to the end of World War II was kind of an interesting segment. Oh, you mean when Danny gets sexually assaulted by a grown woman on the street? <laughs> That's not the part I was talking about, but. It's more talking about I mean that just stuck with me that he some they're celebrating the end of World War II and some random woman just comes up and like kisses this poor Hasidic boy on the lips without his permission and then the the vibe is like come on lighten up you're getting some push like I mean I feel like that's like a a play on that famous photo of the whatever like marine like kissing i think it's like a nurse or something in times square but apparently like he it was more the reverse in that situation where he's like i'm kissing abroad and she was like i guess i'm here doing this oh yeah yeah, yeah that's not you, as what kind of story what kind of sick twisted fuck like the person they're gonna grab to kiss is a little hasidic boy like leave that boy alone <laughs> it's that's what i say I mean, I mean to to our listeners he is a college student by this point he's not like a true boy but like 
I take your point. It kind of reminds me of, I think, a, a, an interesting criticism of like hyper insulated religious communities, which is like, well, you know, it's kind of the conversation around like, uh, I can't remember what the Amish do, the one where they like just kind of like let them hang out in Philly um, with zero oh, context. Rumspringer? Rum yeah. And like how, yeah. how like, hey, like that's that's not really a choice, right? If you've like completely not prepared for anyone for them to exist in like greater society at all these different contexts and then say, okay, now you're in the middle of it as like a, a semi-functional adult, make your choice. So that's not really like a choice. But I thought it was interesting too, within that sort of conversation is the first time he ever goes and sees a movie. Um, it's like also where he learns about the Holocaust. Yeah, <laughs> on a newsreel, they like oh, see yeah. some whatever, some oh, you know, glitzy Hollywood movie, and that's like news of the world. Like, <laughs> I, I wrote down actually how fucking how pissed I would be if I was just like at the movie, like you know what I mean, like fucking I, I fucking go with my buddy Jordan. We're like smoking a bowl in his car beforehand we get the big popcorn and the m&ms and then i find out that the holocaust is happening what an absolute vibe killer yeah that's uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah but also I mean, what's the timeline on that because that happens after they celebrate the war ending right yeah it's probably within yeah. a couple days well it was like yeah it was like right after the war ends because then you have american troops there and like Eisenhower is. I guess I don't know that much about, like, um, I guess I don't know that much about World War II history. But was, was the was the newsreel that he saw letting him know that the Holocaust had just happened, or was it saying like this is currently happening? I think there was a level of like people were kind of raising the alarm about it during the war, but like it wasn't the full extent of it was not accepted or at the very least registering in a big way until afterwards if i does that seem about right to you yeah that's pretty much the the the, i mean it's hard to say because it depends who you're talking about i think things were like a little bit more clear to people who were sort of at the top of the the chain of command a lot earlier um which you know you can read into that whatever you want but governments tend to not necessarily do the right thing when they need to um, but then the newsreel itself, it's talking about it past tense. Like this is this is kind of stuff that they're discovering after the fact that the war has ended. And like this is sort of what the Nazis were up to. With, of course, the like time delay of, of re- relaying information and the fact that I think probably since there was a pretty tight hold on like uh, uh, a media at the time – yeah. Um that like they're probably like letting this information kind of come out now cuz obviously like those some of those camps were liberated before uh the the surrender was signed. But I think they probably were like, "Ooh, we should probably not tell anyone about this till we get this one in the bag." Uh, if that makes sense. And then yeah. Danny Danny's just sitting there like, "Damn it, Ruben, this is exactly why we don't go to the movies." <laughs> you see what happens when you go to the movies? Yeah. I feel like that middle of slice of the movie where like World War II is happening, the boys both end up at the same Jewish college, Hirsch College. Danny decides to study to be a rabbi. Or no, Rubens decides to study to be a rabbi. Danny, the rabbi's son, decides to like study psychology. Um, and like Israel Zionism conversation is happening. That to me feels like the center of the movie. Like both narrative and like intellectually, like that all the things it's trying to say are like really 
happening. Like it's it's pretty slow the whole time, but then that's kind of when just all of yeah. the themes are dancing around together. Totally. And I feel like at the very least, the movie kind of comes down on the side of like, I wouldn't exactly, it's like not, it's like subtly pretty pro-Zionist, but it definitely is. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like you kind of like, they're like hearing them talking at the UN about the partition of Israel and Palestine on the radio. And then, you you know, in the background will be like a thousand years of exile. And finally, we have somewhere to call home. Like someone will just say something like that or. And very much just doing the thing of drawing a direct line from the Holocaust to the foundation of the state of Israel. Yeah, which yeah. like that is a line to be drawn. I mean, that's what the people, you know, people drew that line at the time. But no, sure. Yeah. But. No, it definitely just yeah. The, the part, part, the, the only, only part, part that, that I took, like, like the, the only part, part that, that felt, felt like a little. Well, I don't know. I guess I can't. I don't know if I can like pick a bone with it in the sense that like, if you're writing about what someone would have said at the time, this is might have been what they actually would have said. But there's a point where like Israel hasn't been founded yet, but like Zionists are moving there in droves. Uh, the you know indigenous Palestinian people and their allies are fighting with them. Um, you know, Jewish kids from the U.S. are going there to, like, fight with these armed Zionist groups who are, like, basically having their settlements in Israel and trying to, like, establish, like, a foothold there. And then, he, then you know, some of them start dying, like, one of their classmates dies. And you, they talk about it, as you said earlier, like, oh, you know, they were on a kibbutz and then they got attacked by Arabs, um, which is, like, not, I mean, in the most dry, literal sense, the people attacking them, you know, were arab people but like first of all they're not just arabs they were probably palestinians who were people who were living there yeah. <laughs> you know it's like right it's not just like the, it's not like the race of arab you know what i mean yeah well that's yeah that's how it's always kind of been presented to us yeah, yeah right and like that's, that's it's an interesting holdover too that you can see that like that's that's kind of been the narrative from day one sort of is like it sounds ridiculous but like that version of the story wants you to believe that, like, these random Arab people came from, like, anywhere in the Arab world, just kind of showed yeah. up one day and started taking There's hot a, shots at these it's people. It's, like, decontextualized yeah. to the max. Because it's like, oh, are they Saudi Arabians? Like, are they, you know, yeah. it's like, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're just people who live there. Yeah. One of my, one line that really stuck with me and made me laugh is when, like, Ruben first reveals to danny's father that he's a zionist and then is the 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 rebbe is like it will never happen until the messiah comes no matter what david ben gurion and his henchmen want oh yeah (laughs) david ben gurion first first prime minister of israel yeah that was hilarious to hear him called a henchman (laughs) it also is interesting because this movie i think because it was written like the story was written by Chaim potak who like obviously lived through a lot of these discussions um, yeah. about what this would be. It is very interesting that I think that's a story that often gets lost in our kind of like Israel teaching slash indoctrination of like how much it really was like a pretty secular Jewish movement. And like you'll yeah. still see people who are like super far on the religious end who are like protesting like the state of Israel and stuff. You still see that today. And it's kind of it's easy to forget now because like the religious right in Israel has such a strong hold over the government that like, I don't know. It's just interesting to see those discussions happening because it's easy to forget that like the dogmatic fervor that like established the state of Israel is not, 
it's not so simple as it is sometimes here with like certain right wing ideas where they're like, you know, there's like a straight line between like Christian fundamentalism and like the right in the US. It's like the 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 thing that made Israel happen is like a, a little bit more complicated and a little bit more founded in like secular political thought of the turn of the 20th century. Yeah. More than just straight religious dogmatism. Can I can I tell you guys a new character I just came up with? Okay. I, I promise it relates. It's the guy who only started to believe in the state of Israel a few years ago because the Messiah finally came and her name is Gal Gadot. I hate it. All right. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Let's move on. I, uh, I feel like Gal Gadot would have to be more charismatic. I also feel like it's hilarious how we call her Gal Gadot because, like, that's how you would pronounce her name if it were, like, French. And we, Gadot? Gadot? Because it's Gal Gadot, but I'm not going <laughs> to... No, it's Gadot? just funny because, like, yeah, of course, because it's Gal. Gadot. Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Um, but I think it's funny because <laughs> if you're white yeah. and you have an accent in America, you are French. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially Israeli. Like, any of us, if we try to put on an Israeli accent, we're probably going French, right? Yeah. I mean, it'll slip into it. I just think it's hilarious how it's just like, no, she's French now. She's she's the world's most beloved French-Israeli actress. Yeah, waiting for Gadot. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like, Ioni, to your point, like, I think one of my beefs with, like, big picture zionism is that like you can't you can't really debate with people who are claiming they have a mandate from god or it's like you can't really like like there's only so much mutual understanding that can be had when one person is just sort of like i am chosen by the all-powerful thing to do this thing and like if you disagree with me it's like well tough like you weren't i was um and i think but but stuff like this is like a nice reminder that like if you really you really are about it and like you really are trying to found a religious state like you kind of can't go halfway, you know, for it to like really count. I don't know. It was just, yeah, it was just like a nice reminder that like the state of Israel and like the religious concept of Israel are not, they are related, but they are not the same thing. And like the, and as a result, I think it makes the the political creation of Israel like more of a debatable thing. Cause if like, I think where people, come to conflate like having a criticism of Israel with a criticism of anti-Semitism is when you assume that the modern state of Israel is the exact same thing as whatever Israel is described as in the Torah, which like it isn't. It's just like a someone doing what they think is like a version of it. So I don't know. It just it just I guess it shows you like the uh that like states on the map are artificial creations and like religious concepts are like way more way more fluid and like way bigger than just like kind of political line drawing and as as such you can like you can have your problems with the political lines because they are artificial and that that's not really like that, that's not really necessarily like i i would argue that you still should take issue with the religious idea of it but like it's that those, totally. those aren't the same thing and like the artificiality of one being different from the other is actually like an important distinction in the sense that it's important to the people who believe in it yeah, for sure. And I in, interesting recently, like I was having a conversation with someone. They were asking me, like, "Oh, you know, is your wedding going to be really Jewish?" And I was like, "You know, I don't really think so." Like, just you know, doing this podcast and like the more I learn about like the modern state of Israel, like I just like don't 
I don't know, I just like don't feel as connected to the religious part of Judaism as much and like how central the kind of like land possession and sort of chosenness ideas are to it. Like I'm just not really about that and I just don't love how and definitely more so don't love how it's been used in the world. And this person's response was like, well, you know, it's like the Bible and the modern state of Israel are different and like that's not the only thing Judaism is about. And like I do agree with that, but I mean, I think this movie kind of brings up that in a in a and I think a not in a not terrible way, um, I think one of the reasons that I think the movie and the story focuses so much on sort of just like what the Hasidic people are up to and like what do their weddings look like and like what's their like Torah session look like. I think it's not necessarily saying that that's a good thing, but it is providing I think a a, a way into looking at like well this is what the like these people are kind of like indisputably Jewish. Um, and they don't really feel like the state of Israel is like an extension of themselves in any sort of way. Yeah. They're almost they're in the they're in a similar boat to me, but on the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh-huh. As like I'm a very non-religious person, I feel you know, and a lot of times politically, uh, you know, at the kind of the opposite of where Israel is at. Um, but we sort of share that kind of idea of like I don't really see how like this idea connects with me personally even though i'm jewish but except mm-hmm. the difference is they're like studying torah and talmud every day and I, i'm just yeah. a fucking jackass like yeah i feel like if anything the part like as much as even this movie is like really really about judaism and israel i also feel like it's really about like it feels very patriotic to me like u.s patriotic and very much just like about how beautiful the u.s is because of like assimilation and cross-cultural exchange and like mid-century new york being this like wonderful place you know because it's sort of like the more like modern jew is the one who ends up going to rabbinical school and like feeling really connected to judaism and like you know discovering his roots or whatever and then the more archaic jew is the one who ends up like going to columbia to be a psychologist and like you know the you know the like godless whatever less jewish people learn about like intensity and passion or whatever from the traditional like it's just this very neat like everybody gets something from everybody else right and it's like this melting pot thing just but like just within just the jews <laughs> yeah i also will say that it does uh it portrays america and specifically new york city the way that zohan wished it did like zohan zohan wanted to be this movie not really but <laughs> in its portrayal of like jewish new york city yeah zohan was like more just like i feel like a collection of like bits about like what israelis are like but like not at like a you know the place it was showing like was like a fully non-existent universe but also like if the character of reb reb saunders was able to, to go into the future and and see you don't mess with the zohan he'd be like yeah i was right I'm absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. About, there's, this is a bad idea. This is sinful and. Yeah. Right. Like Zohan's like not Zohan is like a full on like agent of the Israeli government. And like, he is also would not count as a Jew in the world of, uh, you know, Lubavitch, you know, like, yeah. Like he was kind of, he was sort of right. Like, or like you meet a lot, there are a lot of like Jewish culturally jewish secular israelis out there in the world not that that's i mean it's not the worst thing ever but it's just like no whatever whatever that man's fears were about like this state won't be 
like what it said it was supposed to be in the Bible? Like, yeah, of course not. There's going to be like pizza and techno music. Like, welcome <laughs> to the future. There's yeah. fucking Dippin' Dots, dude. Yeah. So do we want to interrogate anything else about sort of the way that like this is definitely like a, a, a boys movie about men and boys? Yeah, I mean, I guess I just had a note here about the – I was watching the wedding scene and like the way there there's the so like at i guess i should we should explain at a traditional orthodox or like hasidic wedding there's something called a mahitza which is a wall that separates the men from the women um and i was watching like the dudes just going so hard and i kind of had the thought of like oh i mean like obviously there's a lot like sexism is misogyny are just rooted in this religion and they're like the the whole excuse the reasoning they give for why the women have to be away is because they're like distracting or whatever which is already like dehumanizing and shitty but i i kind of had the realization like it's not even that though it's that they want to fucking party with their boys like they just want to have boy time so they make the women go over there and it's kind of something that was ingrained at camp which is something i've been thinking about and it's mm. not, not the best thing ever yeah, but also definitely also i like i have very fond memories of my boy time but i i like think about it in terms of what the implications were do i guess i'm i'm curious to know more about like do you feel like there was a uh, secret you know a shadow mahitsa erected at camp like cuz i also feel like there was like a lot of boys and girls yeah, no, uh, that's uh, – Shadow Mahitsa is very funny. I kind of feel like there was sometimes. I kind of feel like – I don't know. Do you remember dancing on Shabbat and it was like – there would just be like a pit that was just for mm-hmm. dudes. It was just for boys of like of a certain age and it was it was fun, but we were mm-hmm. just in there getting rowdy, uh-huh. just sweating through the but nice I guess, white like, shirts is... our mom bought us at, at Costco, you know? Uh-huh. But if if – you know, like if it's not – hurting anyone or anything i mean is there a problem with that i think it's it was sort of i kind of get where john's coming from that i i sort of remember as well and by as, the way i'm not def- i'm not saying like everything was perfect gender wise at camp i'm genuinely just curious to like get your guys take on it an interesting thing to interrogate like because yeah i have very fond memories of like just like being with the guys like being rowdy like pushing each other around but i just think about how if you're a woman at camp or a girl at camp or someone who just doesn't feel like they can connect to that style of masculinity. Like it would be very isolating. I think I also, I, I agree with you because I remember that there was like, there's sort of like the subculture of camp of like, quote, I I would put him as like, quote unquote camp people, you know, like they Mm -hmm. were the people who kind of like would started going when they were very young they were the people who said camp is my like my home and like the rest of the year I kind of am in limbo. Um, yeah, that was a very – you know, that's a very weird aspect. We literally had <laughs> shirts that said camp is life. The rest is just details. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was weird. That was weird. But I think also like w- within that kind of subculture within the Jewish summer camp, I think there absolutely was a sort of um, – it was boy time very much kind of – if it wasn't explicit, sort of like at the idea that it was boy time, which meant not any girl's time. Yeah, and it wasn't – and I guess it was like – it wasn't just like, oh, we were back at the cabin doing this. We were like making that presence felt like everywhere. Right. At Shabbat, you know, doing the chants, you know, all the like streaking and other things where we're just like imposing that energy on like 
everyone. Yeah, and I think one of the again things some is, of my very happiest memories. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things I remember very much on my last year that I ever went to camp was our counselors, like they kind of I don't know if you remember this they like everyone got their own personal like uh talkie time uh i remember yeah yeah um i, I don't really know what it's somewhere between interrogation and pep talk um i don't remember it as an interrogation i i thought i remember being sort of nice um no i think i well that's also just like it was I, nice but it was also it they, it was this thing that happens at camp a lot where someone really tries to create a moment and be like, this is very important. But anyway, I, sorry, I cut mm-hmm. you off. Continue, I, just, I remember that one of our counselors, I can't remember who, but um, would definitely told me that like the big thing was like, yeah, you could be one of the like camp people, you know, like you could do like a whole lot of things here and you could go really far as like a, 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 a lifelong camp person. And I remember at the time being like, oh, my God, I don't want that. Oh, like, like he was like, you got a lot of potential. Like I could really see you becoming like. <laughs> yeah. And just like uh-huh. I, I wonder I wonder too, like I think part of it was I've uh, especially at that point, like I had started to sort of feel a lot of the sort of like external pressures of like the real world, as it were. Um, and also just like. The vastly different experience I had growing up to a lot of the people uh, that we went to camp with and also just sort of like uh, the environment that I grew up in was super different. The like relative socioeconomics of my family was super different. So I'm like feeling all of those pressures and then being told that like, hey, man, I think you might be in the in club. Like I remember that as being kind Mm -hmm. of isolating in a way because I was like, oh, shit, like I don't think I've I don't know if I've connected with anyone if like that's what happened it almost seems like that was a moment of clarity <laughs> it was for me honestly like that that was good for you maybe that they were like it was a moment <laughs> where you're like oh no i need to not mm-hmm. come back they're like we see you for exactly what you are and you're like uh no you don't at all right and i, I think that was yeah. a real big for me and also in my jewish identity overall as just kind of like oh i don't think any of these things are actually meeting in the middle or like actually mm-hmm. – like I don't think any of these connections are being made. I think there's just people who are uh, – like I think there's me trying to figure all these things out and then there's people going like, don't figure out those things. This is what you can be. I mean clearly some connections were made because we have this hit number one podcast together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally you and you and you because you're both here and in front you. of me technically are mm-hmm. the connections that I made. Yeah. Um, like beyond, like beyond you two and my mother, I actually don't have any connections to the Jewish community. And when I do experience it outside of you guys and my mother, every now and then I find it extremely isolating. When you say isolating, just because people are acting towards you in a way that like people are just trying to interact in a way that you're not, you don't want to do that. Um, that's part of it. I think it's also just like the, 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 the whole rigmarole that you have to do, and I, I, there's not a lot of people. It depends how uh, how much you like spend time in the Jewish community, but like if you're kind of only casually involved, like me, like there's a whole rigmarole to like explaining to white Jews how you're actually Jewish, where you have yeah, to kind of like that. re-explain to them the laws of halacha, which is something that technically they should probably understand more. But and also, even if you weren't halakhically Jewish, like fuck off, like, even if you're. Yeah. Dad was Jewish and your mom was. But yeah, people should may basically like anyone who's smart should understand that if your name 
your last name being Hayashi, you can actually do the math and yeah. put together that 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 you are in fact Halak. Halak. You're Jewish. <laughs> yeah, I know you're, what you're, you're trying Jew, to say. You're a Jew of the mom mm-hmm. variety. This all to say that uh, yes, I kind of agree at the sort of like gendered politics of both this movie, kind of that level, that style of Judaism as a whole, and also how it relates to our camp experience, and also how this movie is a movie definitely for Jews, but it is not really meant for Jews of like my variety. And when it when it presents alternatives to how you can be Jewish, they are alternatives and diversity within white Jews. And like, what's yeah. what's sort of the world that you can exist there? Uh, I don't think Chaim Potok has anything to say to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like a thread I think I'm sensing in both our discussion of camp and like of this movie is just like how potent of a glue is just like the idea that like we're all Jewish here and like at camp there is a sense like you know it's enough to really like it kind of does any most of the other stuff doesn't matter that much because like at camp we're all jews and like that that'll bring us all together and i think for different reasons you and i ioni and i both left camp at the same year and like started to feel like that the judaism was not enough of a glue to like make it all just like feel perfect and i would also i feel like in the movie it kind of makes a similar argument being like, you know, you can be this kind of Jew, you can be that kind of Jew, but like at the end of the day, you know, we may not agree on everything, but like the Jew is the glue. Um, and, (laughs) and I just think like, yeah, like I think this is a movie for someone who would agree. Like it will resonate the most with you. If like, you're like the Jewishness is inherently important it really is influential on all of us in different ways. We have to figure out a way for us all to reconcile this. And if like, if you're not on that so much, it kind of wouldn't, the messages about like, what's the best way to do it or how we can all coexist or not as resonant. Cause you're just like, you don't have to be in this paradigm at all. Yeah. I, 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 I agree. Any last thoughts, John? No, I mean, I guess whatever. I'll just say it. The, the, the last, the speech at the very end where his dad is like, the the Rebbe Saund- Reb Saunders is like you're a very smart boy. I didn't want you to get too full of yourself, so I just emotionally neglected you for years. But now I'm giving <laughs> you this speech, so it's all better. Like I just that's just such like movies love doing that shit. Movies mm-hmm. and TV shows. It remind it reminded me of this is a weird reference to make, but it reminded me of Scrubs and how Doctor Cox was like oh. this awful piece of shit, but then he would give a speech at the end where he was like, but actually I care and I notice things and I really care. And like that shit is just, it's just like, so like, I don't know. It's, I guess it's like whatever movies are fake, but it just seems so like bad and no, toxic. It's a, it's a bad lesson. It's a up. very bad lesson that it's constantly taught. Cause it's like narratively convenient, but it's just like, yeah. Yeah. The guy who was treated like shit the whole time, like, fucking gives a speech and learns his lesson and like is good with words so now we all forgive him it's just very very bad for for the brains of the youth thank I would, god I would say. 19 years of generational and kind of just emotional trauma can be solved in about two and a half minutes of dialogue you know <laughs> yeah it's real good also in that scene he's not even speaking to his son really he needs to mm-hmm. have a fucking rando fucking dude that – not rando, but like he just needs to have another person there in order to have the conversation, which means actually nothing has changed. Right. <laughs> and then – but 
Yeah. I laughed in a bad way during that scene because I know it's supposed to be very emotionally, like, satisfying. But it really is just, like, an older Jewish man just being like, and I'm a piece of shit, and I'm a piece of shit, and I'm a piece of shit, and I'm a piece of shit. All right, go to college. But you love me because <laughs> I talk in a charming way, so what can you even do? Um, another thing that really tickled me was um, how Danny chose to dress for his first post, post-Hasidic post outfit. Uh-huh, he sort of dresses like Malcolm X a little bit. He like, looks like a member of the Nation of Islam, to me. Yeah, which <laughs> ironically is, enough. Which is also interesting that th- I think there are zero black people in this film. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what was going on in Williamsburg at the time, but surely they were not exclusively white people. I mean, are there any non-Jewish people in this film? Not that blacks can't be Jewish. Oh, there, there's like the... the there were like, there's the one scene where the anti-Semites were like, hey, Jew boy, like, blah, da, da, da. Okay. Also, they beat him up. I to be fair, address... they might just be generally racist. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not just, just anti-Semitic. They might, their parents might be cops. I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just kidding. Oh, yeah, All but right. that's when that's when, that's when when Ruben is like, fuck off and like fights them. And then that's when the dad is like, is this what I can expect when you hang out with my son? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's yeah. really interesting, too, because it, that scene stuck out to me just because it's like, not only is it like a subversion of like what you expect, but it's also like that's sort of what the character Ruben is pretending to be. But then like this weird little Hasid boy is the one who actually like throws hands. Um, <laughs> but then like his yeah. father is the one who seems like absolutely upset, even though it's like, I don't know, maybe that's just me. But like he's right to do that. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> throw hands with weird. Also, something I want to address is that uh, like probably a minute ago, I said um, I said blacks, and what I meant to say was black people. So uh, <laughs> there you go, a little correction. Nice. <laughs> As they sometimes say in the newspaper, after they make a correction, we regret the error. <laughs> you know, we regret it. Yeah, I don't know. I thought that was another th- scene I kind of laughed at where it's just kind of like, Ruben, you are dead weight here. Yeah. <laughs> How does? Sorry, I forget. How does it go down again? He gets called a kike and then knocked down, and then Danny has to, like, throw hands for a little bit to protect him. I just, I don't know. He was the one who's talking about how baseball is, like, what will, like, emasculize the Jew in America and then just, uh-huh. like, can't even stand up to, like, a, a couple of ugly skinny kids. <laughs> I like the. I know you said skinny kids, but I like the idea that a child skinhead is just called a skin kid. <laughs> skinny, skinnish. I don't know. I, I, we got to wrap this up, but I will say I, I generally found Ruben to be a pretty unsympathetic character, even though he's the protagonist of the movie. I kind of mostly wanted him to just like shut up. I felt sympathy for him when he was like meeting the Rebbe for the first time, and he still had the shit on his eye, so he like looked like RoboCop. I was like, oh, I would not want to be that guy right now. Yeah, I feel like he's like kind of one of those like blank slate characters where you're supposed to kind of like imagine, imagine yourself inside of that person. person. I mean, yeah, well, we also definitely have more yeah. in common with that guy. But yeah, For Danny's sure. a way more compelling character. Interestingly, though, Haim, uh, Ruben is more like Haim Potok in a way. Well, I, I guess it, the interesting thing is like the characters are like these kind of refractions of Haim Potok himself. Like his dad was a rabbi, but he wasn't an Orthodox rabbi. He was a reform rabbi and like was really into psychology and was like a civil rights guy. And then 
I think Haim Potok like went to rabbinical school, but then ended up as kind of this like professor, writer, novelist type. So I don't know. He like had his foot in. He's in this worlds. movie for a second, right? Is he really? What? Yeah, I, I was watching the credit. I, I don't remember, but I was watching the credits and what it said like, like Hasidic guy number three, Haim Potok. So I was like, oh, okay, wow. on his Stan Lee shit. I see you, Haim. <laughs> Haim Potok, iconic cameo. The Potok cinematic universe. <laughs> oh my god there's a sequel to the book really wait okay here's my sequel idea though is that um no 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 but here's what i think should happen no no it's kind of like a well okay danny decide either rev saunders decides or danny decides to like disobey his father but he decides that zionism is actually a good idea and he goes and uses his photographic memory to like be a spy that's just fucking dumb (laughs) (laughs) rude 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 all right wow what tough critic what you think this is a good sequel idea okay (laughs) the one thing this movie did capture like the kind of uh yeah if you've never dealt with a Hasidic person they're both like (laughs) They really feel like they're kind of trolling you sometimes. Like, there's, like, a cheekiness. And they're sort of like, well, all right. I wonder if that also comes from, like, just being viewed as, like, super backwards by the outside world that you kind of have this chip on your shoulder where you're like, oh, I got to be, like, cleverer than whoever I'm speaking to. Because it really – you really can't make it work if you're dumb. Yeah. Yeah, Such a bad look. Especially and like a lot of at least in New York, there are a lot of like Hasidic like business sharks out there. Yeah, you're not really gonna, right. like you're not expecting to like uh, talk to like a Hasidic person and just receive like an empty slate of a person. Yeah, I had a landlord once, or like I was looking for apartments and like they were just sort of like in this street. You know, there are many parties over there. If you're into that sort of thing. Like, just the sort of, like, if you're some kind of, like, fucking lowlife and want to do this, like, you could you could check that out. I don't know. How, how how do you guys feel about this film? You think people should watch it? You think it's important overall to, like, the Jewish uh, saga of media? I'd say it's a more thought-provoking movie than most of the, most of the fucking shit we've watched. I don't think – I will randomly defend this movie and I would say I don't think that gives it enough credit because the bar on that shit's pretty low. Yeah, I I like – it was better than I remember. I've seen – I've read the book and I've seen parts of it, but it was like – no, it was like compelling. And yeah, like I was saying earlier, like I'm just a sucker for any movie set in Brooklyn like a, a while ago, like any – you know – before like 2000 this movie's from 1981 and it's set in 1940 so it's like a double a double whammy but yeah it's i just i'm just a total sucker for that shit every anytime i like see an establishing shot of a brownstone i'm like oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i say keep it josh yeah it's fine i think it's like it's okay (laughs) yeah it's like one of those i don't think like, I don't, if I had, if I was just sitting on my couch, like, oh, I'm going to watch a movie tonight, and I watched this movie, I don't know if I'd be like, I'm so glad I spent two hours watching this movie. But in the scheme of Jewish education or whatever, and like to show you, and if you're interested in this sort of thing, it's not a bad, not a bad movie to check out. 
I I agree. Um, if this is yeah, but it's also like if you're not tied in with this community at all, then I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it too too much. Um, oh yeah, I would say if you're listening to this podcast, then you can check it out. Yeah, yeah, that's like the you must be this interested in Judaism to enter. Like if you would bother to listen to this podcast, like then yeah, then you'll probably derive some kind of uh, yeah. some good out of watching this movie. I think it's a, it's a pretty good. It's like a well-crafted movie sound mixing aside. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a solidly yeah, just like on a craft level. It's like it's like a movie. The costumes look good, the acting's pretty good. The acting's good. I like yeah. that's what I didn't even notice it while I was watching, but like I would you would have noticed it. You like this movie is all just people having conversations. So if the acting was bad, it would have been rough. And like they really I feel like and if you're making a, a movie about a group of like you know, reclusive and slightly misunderstood religious people. Like it's pretty easy to make them look like freaks or just like kind of cartoonish. But I actually think this is like pretty dead on. Yeah. Three dimensional characters. And just like down to like how they talked, like aside from the women, we should be very well, but like the women were like zero dimensional. Well, I think the thing is more, it's like, I don't, they were like not even in the story enough to be dimensional. You know know what I mean? mean? Yeah. And I just sort of think, like, frankly, like, in this in this day and age, I don't know if these guys probably would have cared that much about what, like, the, what was... Like, like it's, it's not, not a good reality, reality but that, that doesn't, doesn't, like, the, the idea that, like, a couple of 17-year-olds in 1947 would not wonder about the lives of the women around them is not, like, particularly... It doesn't feel like a weird oversight, exactly, I guess. I was just going to say it kind of winks at itself because there's one point where... Ruben is talking to what's the sister's name, Shandel, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Shouldn't, shouldn't you be in the kitchen helping your mom?" And then Shandel, she actually kind of does stand up for herself, and is like, "Well, is that just like where women belong, like cooking and cleaning?" And then Ruben's just like, "Shit, I don't know." Well, he says, "I pity, pity your husband," and she goes, "I pity your wife." Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and then it's like, well, let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was gonna say they hint at they hint at women having dimension. They like say that hey, maybe if you know if we like the people who were also kind of portraying bothered to care about these people, then maybe we would find that they have stories, but we don't, so they don't. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah. There's probably a more interesting movie to be made about like. Exact same time period, exact same context. Like, what is it like to be a woman struggling within against alongside all this tradition? I'd actually be super curious about the movie about Danny and his sister, Shandle. Yeah. yeah. A little bit more than I am curious about how Ruben fits into the whole thing. Totally. Genius rabbi's son versus just this daughter, you know. I'll bet you their father is shitty to both of them. Yeah. <laughs> if I had yeah. To guess. Or he just like. He, like, is maybe intentionally silent to Danny and just has, like, never even considered talking, you know, like, just, like, unintentionally silent to Shandle. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine he's having big, long conversations with her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. My, um, we should close this out because, in part because we're at that time and also because my disc is full and I cannot record any more audio. Um, um well, you know, just, I guess... Like and subscribe the podcast. This has been High mm-hmm. Impotox, Talks, the chosen presented to the you. state of Israel and the concept of Israel. Two different things. Choose uh, us for five stars. Yep. 
you can do it on Spotify. You can do it on Apple. You can email. I would be curious if you're a, a not white Jewish person who listens to this show. If anything I said sounds anything familiar to you, or if I'm just an asshole, um, I know the answer to that question. It's both. And also, maybe you saw this movie and maybe thought you thought it was fucking stupid. And you're just like, well, you guys are all fucking weenie boys, and I need to fucking tell you what's up. Send us that, too. Um, yes. Yeah. And after that, you know, have a, just a fucking a beautiful evening. How about that? How about that? How about you have a, just a How fucking nice that? night? <laughs> <laughs>